What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In 2020, 268,884 women were reported missing in the United States, according to the National Crime Information Center, with nearly 100,000 of those being black women and girls. While black women account for less than 15% of our U.S. population, we made up more than one-third of all missing women reported in 2020. What's more, another study, Missing White Women's Syndrome, legal scholar Zach Summers found that when black people are missing, the media cover them with fewer stories in comparison to other demographics groups. And when black teens go missing, they are less likely to be considered kidnapped and much more often dismissed as runaways. There's a new bill moving through the state legislature looking to change that. Senate Bill 673, the Ebony Alert, would mimic the function of the Amber Alert with a specific focus on black teens. Our guest this morning is a sponsor of that bill. Senator Aisha Wahab is the California State Senator representing the 10th District, which runs from Hayward and Union City South to Sunnyvale and Santa Clara. She is one of the three state senators who has sponsored the Ebony Alert bill. Good morning, Senator Wahab. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So glad to have you back on the show, Senator Wahab. I started with national statistics, but can you talk about statewide statistics in terms of missing black kids, specifically black women and girls? Uh, Well, specifically, I can state that black children are about 38% of all missing child cases, and black youth are disproportionately classified as runaways compared to the white peers, meaning they're less likely to be issued Amber Alert, and black women and girls are at an increased risk of being harmed and trafficked in particular. So uh, we have seen this case specifically even in the city of Hayward, which I was a city council member of where a young little girl um, was taken by her mother. And um, right now there's, you know, obviously legal lawsuits with the um, Alameda County and social services. So we have seen this firsthand. Um, the fact that they miss school for so long and still no uh, signal to the authorities that, hey, there is a child that has missed, you know, weeks and weeks of school. Any data, reports, research, et cetera, that has managed to sort of lay out why, um, I mean, in addition to just structural institutional racism, but why black girls and kids are sort of just dismissed as runaways. And what is the difference in resources then that those cases get versus when white counterparts, for example, go missing? I think I think it's beyond um, the data. I think genuinely it is the systemic racism, number one. Uh, we know that uh, youth of color, and specifically black children, their innocence is seen as lost at a younger rate than uh, older kids. For example, a uh, seven, eight, nine-year-old black girl or boy is going to be treated um, almost as an adult compared to a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old white child. Uh, We can say this for uh, Latino communities as well. So um, it is problematic. You know, we see also law enforcement is a big part of that and how they operate. Um, And those those are just some of the things. But to your point, um, it's actually more than just the data because the data clearly shows that there's a um, difference in in treatment. Um, It is more why. And that, that is, you know, subjective to all of us. What specifically would this bill do and and talk about in the context of the California Emergency Services Act? Definitely. So it's similar to the Amber Alert or the Feather Alert. Um, The Amber Alert, obviously, to children that are missing the Feather Alert uh, 
was created by uh, uh, Assemblymember James Ramos, uh, focused on Indigenous um, children, but basically it would allow law enforcement to request an ebony alert if the agency determines it would be an effective tool in their investigation. It would be applicable to Black youth um, or young women between the ages of 12 and 25. So um, this is, you know, similar when we get the alerts on our phones that, hey, a child has been abducted, so forth, but this will prioritize specifically um, black children. One of the great concerns in the Bay Area, as I know that you know, and you talk, you touched on it just a little bit there, but particularly here in Oakland, right, is the sex trafficking trade and the buying and selling of black children in broad daylight on what we call E14. What is the hopes that this bill will impact that dynamic? I mean, Oakland's been one of the top five cities on the circuit for quite some time now. You know, the honest truth is that it has not been prioritized. You know, my parents had a business in East Oakland, so I'm very familiar with East 14th, right? Um, and the the reality is that it's not just black children. It is all children of color. Uh, we have been seeing new and new arrivals from uh, different countries, um, some undocumented, some documented. Um, and they are being gorilla pimped in a lot of ways, number one. Uh, and number two, trafficked on street corners. But also um, these perpetrators are being far more innovative with technology and, and so forth. So uh, unless the community speaks up, which we also know is a big difference in communities of color, speaking to law enforcement agencies, um, you know, we will not have the attention of law enforcement. And that, that is a significant problem. And personally, Kat, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I think that if you take a look at all police agencies and how they release out statistics every year of, okay, you know, this many robberies, this many murders, this many whatever, um, I'd like to go a little bit further and say how many has been solved? How many cases have been closed? Those statistics aren't as readily available. And that's how we measure success. And I think that that's one of the conversations we also need to have when we're talking about public safety, what that looks like, um, how many calls, how many tips, you know, how open we are to other communities, languages, and cultures. If that is a resource your office needs, Senator, APTP can get those numbers to you. For instance, OPD's solve rate is at about 11%. Um, and we know that's yeah. like what's true <laughs> across the country, right? Really low solve rates. Um, so law enforcement is sort of where I wanted to go next, right? I mean, this is an issue that I've been pretty vocal about for quite some time. And we know that when black bodies come into contact with law enforcement, even in the midst of a crisis that law enforcement, in theory, would be helpful with, the outcomes can sometimes not be great. Are there any guardrails in this bill that address that issue? And if not, what are your thoughts on inserting guardrails? Or how will you help watchdog that? Definitely. Um, you know, this passed through my committee. I'm the chair of public safety for the Senate, and um, we were extremely supportive of this particular bill. Um, I don't believe that this bill needs guardrails uh, in particular, uh, just because it is an alert bill. It's also very, very narrow in scope of what it specifically does, right? And this is just to alert that individuals have gone missing, specifically black youth or young women. Um, and at the same time, we have seen throughout the area, you know, women of color, whether we're talking about Latino women, whether we're talking about uh, young Asian women and so forth. Um, I think, you know, another bill can genuinely be introduced with guardrails uh, regarding law enforcement and, um, you know, a specific scope of what type of tool they're using or action. But for this particular bill, I think that this is 
very much needed. It's timely, and um, it has actually passed the Senate floor with a vote of 39. There is literally um, zero opposition votes. You segue to my next question, which is where is the bill in the process? So what happens next? (laughs) Uh, The bill is set up uh, for success in the assembly. Um, It's supposed to, um, you know, move through the 80 members in the assembly. Senator Bradford and staff have done an excellent job in the Senate, and I know they'll carry that energy to the assembly. Um, He is genuinely the primary co-author. I respect him a lot for introducing this type of bill. And, um, you know, I do believe it will be successful and move on to the governor. All right. Anything I haven't asked you about this bill that you think is important for folks to know? Um, Kat, I think that you always hit the nail on the head. I think that the sad reality (laughs) is the fact that we shouldn't have to have these bills to specifically highlight certain uh, communities. But honestly, um, with the statistics out there, my personal experience with Sophia Mason's case in Hayward, um, it's quite disgusting to see the fact that um, this is still happening here in the Bay Area. You know, this is not somewhere in you know middle america this is in the bay area and we're not getting the attention we need um and it's my job to uh elevate our voices and hopefully this bill will do just that all right senator wahab last time we had you on was to discuss senate bill 403 which would make caste discrimination illegal in the state of california can you remind my listeners what that bill was about Definitely. Um, you know, the bill is an anti-discrimination bill. It is geared towards ensuring that caste discrimination does not take place here in California. Uh, caste systems are basically an old, outdated social hierarchy system uh, designed for when you are literally born, you're placed in the caste. And no matter what you do, how educated you become, how wealthy or who you marry, you will not get out of that particular caste. And we're trying to ban that in the state of California. Senator, I think, well, I know because after we had our segment, you know, I got a lot of comments from listeners who are like, I had no idea that that was something that takes place in the United States, let alone California. Can you talk about how it plays out here? Um, it, it does play out here, you know, specifically, for example, when we're talking about even human trafficking. So there are, uh, there's a specific cast called Dalit, which is formerly known as the untouchables. Just the title alone is uh, demeaning and and humiliating to so many people. Um, And we saw a case in Berkeley where there was a wealthy individual who was smuggling um, specifically Indian women, uh, Fijian women, um, from the untouchable caste, the Dalit caste. Roughly 20 women were human trafficked and commercially exploited for sex. Um, we see that. We saw a case in Google where, you know, people are deplatformed because they're speaking about their rights here in the United States. We've seen um, housing discrimination. Uh, any type of discrimination you have, you can think of has happened within this particular community. But because uh, caste systems don't affect the mainstream populations of black, white and Latino, um, it's usually under the radar. Right. So that is something that we're trying to, again, elevate. And I often state that the more our state becomes more and more diverse, the deeper and further our laws need to go to protect people. And when we talk about diversity um, in representation, it means that somebody from a different community is raising issues that matter to them. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And um, I will say a lot of my even stated that they had to Google cast um, and they weren't even sure if it exists and if it happens here and so forth. So it's been fascinating to, to kind yeah. of just you know, elevate these issues. 
You also face some public backlash, to say the least. Has that calmed down uh, in terms of the attacks that you and your office were getting for moving this bill forward? Uh, sadly, it has uh, died down a little bit, but not by much. Um, I'm still receiving uh, death threats and much more, um, a lot of accusations and, and just pure racism. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, they'll say, why don't you tackle, you know, a lot of other issues that are more uh, Islamic oriented or uh, not even happening in this country. But, um, you know, so it's pure racism, you see, but, you know, it comes with the territory and we have some thick skin. So, you know, we're still going to do our job. Senator Wahab, your name came up at the end of the last segment of Upfront, talking about housing uh, bills that you're moving forward. What else are you working on that my listeners should know about? Uh, I think housing is my number one priority. Um, we're also focused on um, a lot of bills that are about people's rights. You know, there is a human trafficking bill that um, we're pushing, um, but it is with my colleague, who is a Republican. Um, but I'm proud of the work that's being done. Um, we are the, the housing bill. I just want to say just to Bay Area listeners in particular, um, I did push a bill to reform Costa Hawkins, which is the state. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's 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 the reason why we can't have more rent control and expanded rent control in the state of California. Um, I did try to reform that. I will tell listeners that literally 15 people voted yes in favor of, you know, reforming that particular law um nine people decided to abstain which is about 25 percent of the senate and 16 people voted no um this is the reason why when we talk about housing everyone's so focused on development but they're not focused on affordability and so in alameda county alone we have 9,474 homeless individuals right but we have 30,000 vacant units the people on the streets do receive an income, not all of them, but a good chunk receive, whether it's Social Security, disability, and so forth, and yet they cannot afford the $2,000 studio, right? And so that's really what I'm focused on and targeting is affordability. It's not just development. So when I talk about housing, I just really want to make sure listeners understand the full scope of what we're trying to do. Um, sadly, our eviction database was also tabled to a two-year bill by a committee. Um, and uh, that's really important because we also know that there are patterns of uh, bad behavior from uh, landlords and bad actors in general. So um, any attempt to touch housing for regular people has been very, very difficult and almost killed. So um, I put people on record, but at the end of the day, we still need a lot more advocacy and organizing. Say more about the human trafficking bill that you're moving. So there, there is a human trafficking bill um, that if uh, it's, it's, again, not my bill, but I'm very supportive of it just through public safety. There's a couple bills uh, regarding underage youth. So anybody under the age of 18, if um, their perpetrator is uh, caught trafficking young women in particular, um, they will have to deal with law enforcement and uh, that is seen as a, a serious crime versus uh, how it's been deemed now. Uh, that passed unanimously also through our public safety uh, committee. Um, in addition to another bill that I actually have where it um, prohibits the marriage of children outside of the legal context. So if you're not an emancipated youth, 
And there are, for example, um, religious organizations that are trying to arrange a marriage but not going through the legal channels and informing the youth of their rights. Um, that's also uh, prohibited and so forth. So there's a lot of bills going on um, regarding women's rights and, and children's rights and just trying to protect some of the most vulnerable community members. All right, Senator Wahab, I know you're super duper busy. Appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you, Kat. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.